Rural Focus. Hello, it's Troy Stockton with today's edition of the Rural Focus podcast. And very soon, going to catch in with Jared Hubbard, get the results of the Mount Barker cattle sale. How are those sales going cattle-wise? We'll find out uh, very soon. Elders agronomist Zach Rick, he's going to be along very soon too, speaking late-season powdery mildew management in wheat. And I also see late last week where the grain industry of WA, they have cut its estimates for WA's winter crop to just under 17 million tonnes. 16.96 to be precise, uh, down from 18.1 from back in July. To speak about that already today, time to say hello to Stu McKenzie. In reading through what Guy were saying, mm. they've just downgraded it from a two and a half ton average back to just a two ton average. We could still not die. I mean, you know, if, if it went from two and a half ton to a ton and a half, then I think we need to start stressing. But mm. um, I don't think we're in the place yet where we need to really get too focused on what's going on. Gewa bring these, between Gewa and Abrez, they bring these forecasts out fairly rapidly during the season. But every year, if you look at the trends, we get to the start of September and they always downgrade. But what they did say is the coastal regions are still doing very, very well. Now, what I would tend to say is if the coast is too wet, the guys... 150, 200k north are mm. generally having a pretty good season. It doesn't matter where I go at the moment, there's a lot of water <laughs> lying around. Is there? Yeah, absolutely. Particularly around the south coast. A little, right up through to Cogenut, Williams, Narragin, Wagen, uh, even the back of Catanning and Cranbrook, there's still water lying on the side of the road. Now, where they're saying is, is, is fairly dry is uh, Bruce Rock out to Mucker, Darren, uh, and and kind of the central wheat belt yep. uh, and northern wheat belt. It's yep. certainly looking a lot drier up there, okay. but there's just enough moisture in the ground and just enough rain coming through just to keep the system ticking along. So look, Abrez and Giwa, they'll do what they do and they'll release the information that they want to release, but I don't think it's stress stations just yet. Wait and see on that one, mate. Uh, read uh, over the weekend where the demand for Canadian-made chaser bins has increased across WA. Yeah, well, once again, and, and look, a little bit of local manufacturing might yeah. be a nice thing too. We've got all the capacity in the world to be building all this stuff here, yeah. but we like the imported stuff. So, yeah. um, and a lot of that is due to cost. But by the time it's actually landed here, it's probably cheaper to get one made locally. Look, whether it be chaser bins or mm. tractors or headers or header fronts, you know, Midwest fronts used to be one of the biggest biggest selling items in the in, in ag machinery, and now they're not quite there anymore. I understand the value and the the science and the technology that goes into these machines, but it would be nice to see some of our local manufacturers pick up the mantra here a little bit and 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 try and push some more product out. Our issue here in WA. Uh, and in Australia, compared to overseas, is our wages, and that's what kills it. It's good to see that these Canadian chasers are coming in because they're a bloody fantastic-looking bit of kit, and they certainly do a fantastic job that they need to do. But once again, you know, we've got to look at our own wage scenarios and how much it costs to make manufacture the same the same implements here in here in WA and here in Australia. Uh, on uh, the talk of the uh, the live sheep band, mate, uh, apparently it's going to set a dangerous social licence precedent. I didn't think there was such a thing as a social licence. Uh, well, there's social licence in, in a lot of the things that we do, whether it be in agriculture or not. Mm. Um, so what, one of the things that they were referring to here <coughs> excuse me, was the flow-on effect for abattoir workers and, and feedlot workers in, in the Middle East, mm. where these, particularly where our sheep go. You know, when the live cattle trade was banned in Indonesia, 18,000 jobs were lost. 
And it, it didn't take time. It was literally overnight. There's no ships coming, so you don't have a job. Uh, and, and, and in some countries where it's not as easy to find work or to have a sustainable income, I don't think this has really been thought about by the government. And once again, they don't seem to think too far past the end of their noses anyway. You know, a bit like Albany, you're not really knowing what a litre of fuel's worth, um, which has come up <laughs> on the news today. You know, a little bit out of touch with reality, mm. I think, and... That's a real shame because the industry doesn't just support, I think it's forty-five to 50,000 jobs across Australia, but also the international job market. You know, there'd be hundreds of thousands of jobs that are impacted here. And this is what this is one of the things that they're referring to regarding social losses. So once again, our illustrious government, particularly Labor government, they've made this decision. Whether we like it or not, it's probably going to happen. Uh, the only way it's going to change is if we see a, a change of government. But once again, this is where industry and agriculture needs to stand up and go, uh, Labor, you're out. Coalition, you're in. Whatever format that looks like, or we need a bunch of independents running for it. So, But unfortunately, the way the Australian Constitution is written, Mm. It'll be the Labor or Coalition government. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next probably three to four months because that's when they're really going to start tidying things up with an election moving. So could the real question be this? Who's issuing the licence which, say, tolerates such a, a flawed diagnosis? Uh, well, that's, that's the million-dollar question. I would, I would have thought the EU might have something to say about it. But mm. once again, um, if live export isn't high on the EU's agenda, which it's not at the moment because there's wars and everything else going on, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. What's going to be interesting to happen is now that the World Cup is finished mm. and wrapped up because there's been no real political banter over the last four weeks while the FIFA World Cup has been happening here in Australia. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> it's all been very, very quiet. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens now that the focus yep. is off of off of soccer and now back on to world affairs. All right. Uh, anything else from you before I do let you go this morning, mate? Yeah, look, just a little bit on, on the agronomy front. So, and you know, we're now late August, so we've seen the start of the field days. That typically means that we're coming into the coldest portion of the year. Um, obviously, Newtigate is coming up. So we've got Darren next week for those playing along at home, followed by Newtigate, and particularly for the, you know, the late race, New to gate, late king kind of mm, corridor. Mm. Uh, this can be a real, a real uh, make or break kind of week or ten day period with our minimum, minimum, minimum temperatures dropping right down. <laughs> real chance of frost. But whether still chasing yield, or you're looking at plant structure, or you're starting to focus on your seed retention for next year, that fifteen to eighteen dollar a hectare trace element hit can do a real, real job on making sure that, number one, you've got the plumpest, heaviest seed that you can produce, but also hitting the protein markers that you need. But also it helps with plant structure. So the, the stronger the plant structure, the less effect it has on frost. Now, we can't help if it gets to minus two, minus three for six or seven hours in a row, which we have typically seen, particularly in the run-up to New York. But what we can do is we can, we can limit the effects of frost just by taking a real focus on nutrition for the last for the back half of the season. Mm. And guys have been doing this for a long, long time will we'll we'll tell you the benefits of making sure that you've got a strong, healthy plant through the season. So, you know, calcium, potassium, phosphorus, copper, zinc and mang. Copper is only just starting to get mobile now as, as the daytime temperatures kind of warm up. So copper is not so much of an issue, but particularly zinc and manganese at the moment. But magnesium is another one. So it's the, it's the centre of photosynthesis. And if there's not enough in the system or it's not active enough, things, other, other elements can be can be touched up and not be as available. So, um, you know, for $15 to $18 a hectare, if you're going out with a late fungicide and insecticide, getting some getting some other product in the mix really does help. Anything else, mate? No, I think that's about it. Okay, another busy week out and about? Uh, yeah, um, in and around Albany for most 
for the most part, and then uh, up to Darren next week, and then obviously new to get the following. So looking forward to getting out and about and seeing what crops are doing and catching up with a few growers over the next 10 days. All right, no worries. Well, as always, thanks for your time this morning, mate. We'll uh, do it again next week. Thanks, Troy. Thanks, listeners. Have a great week, and please stay safe. The following interview on the Rural Focus podcast is a paid interview. A reminder, this may not be the right product for you, and other goods and services may be available. Time on Rural Focus this morning to see how we went at the Mount Bucker cattle sale last week. Jared Hubbard back with us. Good morning, mate. G'day, Troy. How did you go down there last week, mate? Uh, yeah, last week at Barker, uh, total 209 heads we had by all agents. Unfortunately, numbers are down compared to last week, just due to seasonal supply. And we'll continue to see that for the next few weeks. The yarding system, very mixed quality offering, only a few pens of uh, better yearling steers and heifers were available. Good feeder yearling steers weighing at 330 to 400 kilos, sold at rates of 308 to 310, finishing slightly easier than last week. Uh, heavy yielding steers in excess of 400 kilos. Also experienced uh, a slight decrease in the sold at rates of 280 to 308 cents, uh, averaging out a return of about 298 cents a kilo. Uh, yielding heifers offered also of a mixed quality, uh, majority weighing in at 330 to 400 kilos, sold at rates of 204 to 252 cents, uh, averaging out at 236, and bigger grown heifers over 540 kilos. Achieved a market top of 220 cents to an average of 210. Cows reasonable in quality, but very short in supply. Uh, cows weighing in at 520 to 600 kilos, sold at rates of 166 to 190 cents. Those weighing at 600 to 700 kilos, sold at 194 to 208. While big cows in excess of 700 kilos, sold at 172 to 198 cents a kilo. In terms of bulls, it was a very small but high quality run. Uh, they also experienced a, a slight decrease in last week selling at 120 to 190 cents a kilo uh, all to the processes so about the same old same old pretty much but at this time of year yeah we'll just keep chipping yep, away yep. when you got a, a handful of cattle coming yep. in each week yep. um, and yeah the market's just going to sit where it is I think for a little while do it all again this Thursday mate yes we will mate we will we'll have another sale this week now are you walking around town or driving today mate uh, no, I, I will be driving a rather dirty vehicle today. Thanks, Troy. <laughs> bit of a mishap, they tell me, over the weekend somewhere. Uh, you're just, um, just a little, little bit fractionally yes. impaired. We'll say. <laughs> did you get it out, though, mate? That's the main thing. Uh, we did, so okay. thank you very much to a very generous neighbour. Well uh, he came over with a tractor eventually, and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, mate, uh, nice to chat. Have a great week. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, mate. Good on you. The following interview on the Rural Focus podcast is a paid interview. A reminder, this may not be the right product for you and other goods and services may be available. Time on Rural Focus this morning to catch you in uh, with Zach Rick from Elders. Zach, good morning there to you, mate. Morning, how you going? Not bad. Uh, Late season powdery mildew management in wheat. Have you seen that in some of the crops of where you are, mate? Yes, no, we do Mm. have a a reasonable amount kicking around through um, central areas and down through the Great Southern at the moment. Very much predicated on conditions Mm. currently with through the central area, a little bit dry, the canopy's dry. So it's not proliferating out as you might expect at sort of low levels down below currently at the moment. Sort of expecting with the the conditions forecast that it's not going to present a massive issue going forward. However, that can change very quickly mm. uh, with powdery mildew. So maybe expecting you know with the hopefully with a bit of advent of a little bit of rain yep. um, coming through that um, you know we we might see that uh, increase mm. going forward. Yeah, you can only hope, and hopefully there is some rain around uh, the Avon Valley and the Central Wheat Belt very soon, but uh, not looking like it, unfortunately, Zach. No, no, uh, unfortunately not. But at the moment, you know, we're just sort of sticking with um, sticking with no spray strategies at the moment, just monitoring um, yeah. and waiting for these conditions to change. Some early sprays have gone on the earlier, more advanced crops, um, but beyond that, it's um, very much wait and see. Now, for those who may be listening today outside the agricultural 
regions, mate. Uh, what is the cause of the mildew on wheat? Uh, so mildew is basically, it's a, it's a disease. It's um, formed by spores, white masses of white mm. powdery spores. Through the crop type, you know, we, we basically, it's, it's becoming more of a prevalent disease due to varietal resistance. So the majority of our main wheats that we're growing uh, have no resistance to the disease. We had quite a lot of powdery around last year due to, you know, good humidity, good canopy moisture. So that's been allowed to proliferate onto the stubble and then going forward um, it's probably going to be an issue we may see most years unless they're um, overly dry so it really it really requires you know forward thinking management um, and planning we've you know a lot of guys would have found last year that even with um, some old staples like for trifold they were having to do multiple foliar sprays so i think it's a it's definitely a disease that needs a rethink in terms of how do we control that elders does have a trial in this year looking at it okay. but um, if it if it dries off then yeah. uh, we're going to struggle to get some decent data for that but it's a continual continual problem that i don't really see going away as I said and it all derives from this varietal resistance which is just non-existent all right um, in what we grow yeah okay all right yeah. uh, on the other hand mate uh, canola how's that looking in in your neck of the woods yeah so the canola we're very fortunate to have early rain most mm. guys seed it upon that rain get it up and going early it does look good we're just having a few problems with um, aphids kicking around up the top of the canopy uh, we've had various um, sprays go out for that in certain areas aphids are a little bit of a tricky beast they, they tend to be there one day and gone the next but at the moment there are a lot of crops at threshold or if not they're very close to it so yep spraying spraying forward and monitoring for that is is pretty key because they can do a lot of damage quite quickly if they're with these drying stress conditions they will they will move quickly through the crop. And uh, you're hearing that from farmers around your area? Yes, yep, that's yeah, probably been the, yeah, the, the yeah. flavour of the last couple of Has weeks. It? Yeah, righto. Conversations about that, wondering what to do. There has been sightings of budworm, uh, native budworm, okay. moving in from the um, pastoral areas, so potentially they are an issue. As we're getting closer and closer into September, some of these early sowing crops are nearing crop top timing through some of these Roundup-ready varieties, so it sort of dovetails in that you can combine most of that into one and sort them all out uh, yeah. going forward. Yeah. All right, so let's hope that the uh, the growers around those areas can uh, can manage that, mate, going forward. Yes, yes, no, it's, a, yeah. it's a it's a it's a problem regionally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We're dealing yeah. with. Yeah. How are things uh, at elders uh, across uh, the wheat belt, mate? Yes, no, seems to be going all right. As I said, um, you sort of go further south, it gets a lot better. They had mm. you know, a lot more earlier rain, and the moisture's still there. So I think the, the southern southern areas could still be set up for you know a reasonable, reasonable, very reasonable harvest. But the central zone's going to need some mm. finishing rains. It's you know been very much hand to mouth, and as you go further into the northern ag region, it's um, yeah very much on the edge mm. uh, as to what they're going to produce. So it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. All right, so if uh, the farmers around the Avon Valley and the Central Weep out there want to know more with you there at Elders, mate, uh, what's the best way? Uh, you can just um, yeah, contact me through um, any of the branches. They all have my phone number or any of your local other agronomists uh, scattered through that area. Yep. Um, contact the branch and they can put us put us in touch with you. Busy day ahead, mate? Yeah, of course, always <laughs> on a Monday morning. Yeah. Hey, Zach, mate, uh, thanks for your time and uh, we'll chat again soon, mate. No worries. Thanks very much. And there you have it. That is us done and dusted. Another Rural Focus podcast. And don't forget, too, if you have missed uh, anything from the show, whether it was today or maybe sometime last week, of course, you can catch it up on the Listener app, L-I-S-T-N-R, or just wherever you get your podcasts from. I've been Troy Stockton, and I look forward to bringing you another Rural Focus podcast again very soon.